Life, New Life Fellowship. Good to see everybody on this Thanksgiving weekend. Lots of families are driving their way back in from all the good turkey and ham and dressing and sweet potato casserole and green beans and carrot cake and pumpkin pie and potato pie. Sweet potato pie. Anybody saying hurt and preach so I can get out of here and go eat? <laughs> so good to see you today. Amen. And God bless everybody else that's driving in from their time with family. It's, uh, it's, it's important that we're thankful every day. Amen. Every day. Uh, if you haven't been a part of a small group and you haven't encouraged yourself in the Lord to just step out, and uh, open up your arms to people around you in group. I want to encourage you to do that today. Amen. We're having some small group training for uh, leaders that want to lead small groups. And I know that's a scary thing because you've been hurt by people before. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And as much as you know that you need encouragement and you need a big hug from heaven, Daddy can only really give that when we... Do what we heard last week. Amen. If you love me, obey my commands. And that just is a tough sentence in this world we're living in right now. And our culture just doesn't have any room for the idea of submitting or obeying. Amen. And so I, I want to take some time today to just break that down for you to know that God is not making anyone do anything. He loves us. And he wants everybody to have all of his blessings. The only way those blessings can be realized in our life is by being connected with him. Amen. To, to have the best that God has to offer requires agreement because the blessings flow through agreement. Has anybody ever disagreed with God before? And our world is full of knowledge right now. There's a lot of information everywhere. I, you know, and we almost worship Google than, more than we worship God. It don't take long to prove that point. How much time do you spend with Google versus spending with Jesus? And, and that's sobering to consider that. And where are we getting our information from? And what kind of fruit is it producing? Think about that for a moment. And so grouping together with other people in his name. Not everybody chooses to be in his name, but if you can find two or three in his name, the Lord is, the, that's where he's at. Amen. That's where he's present. And I, I like knowing he's present. So I'm always looking to be connected with others in his name and invite everybody that's not in his name to hang out with us. Amen. Because where there's two or three in his name, there's dominion, authority, and power. You can't explain it, but the presence of God is there. And you, you like it. Most of you tell me all the time, if I could just take what I'm feeling when I show up on Sundays in the service, if I could take that home with me, that's what I want to do. I want to take this home. And you can. But it requires us as children of God opening our arms up to others. Amen. And when we start grouping, going house to house, breaking bread and in fellowship, 
Let's call it partying. Let's go party. Let's, let's, let's bring the language home. You know, we're having fun being daddy's kids. When we do that in his name, he is there. And I'm a biological father, and I like it when all the kids are together. And God's showing me something about him being our heavenly father, wanting all his kids together. We don't just gather on Sundays in a building. So I encourage you. You're powerful. You don't need to go to seminary or a Bible college to lead a small group. All that's necessary is your heart is postured before God. You posture your heart before him, and you're very open for him to come take over his house. And from his house, the kingdom of God is within you. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. The question is, is the king of his kingdom there? And we want to communicate that today. And so anybody want to live the easy life? And our culture is trying to convince you they got an answer for that, but I'm finding out from everybody that's tried it, it don't work. And I've been, I've been at the bedside of many that have more money they can burn, and they have found no happiness in a bank account. They found no happiness in having things or having a name. Amen. Those that take on the name of Jesus, though, ah, fulfillment. And they walk just like him, and they talk just like him. They only say what he hear, they hear him say, and they only do what they see him do. And having that single eye is of utmost importance right now. Everybody is looking for answers in their world. Everybody desires healthy relationships. Nobody likes broken relationships. They don't like to hurt. They like to be able to sleep at night and get good rest, be healthy, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. You're agreeing with this? And so today's thought is about pressing for the prize. Pressing for the prize. Amen. I want to read a few things to you in the, in the Bible that is powerful. Oh, by the way, I'm going to give you three points right now so that you know you get them. As the Spirit prompts me, I'm just going to go with him. But the three things that happen when we love Jesus. Anybody want to know what three things happen when we truly love Jesus? Number one, we remain true to him. In other words, to love him is to prepare yourself to do anything he asked you to do. Number one. And isn't it interesting that when Jesus came on the scene, he invited people to come follow him and he would make them into. Isn't that interesting? He invited them. And those that dropped their nets and those that dropped whatever they were doing or whatever their lifestyle they were living and they went and followed him, they made a decision, okay, we're all in. And they decided we're going to be true to him. Did they fail him? Yes. Did they drop the ball? Yes. Did they, did they mess up pretty regularly? Yes. Just like all of us do. Amen. But it wasn't about the mess ups. It was about turning our heart to him and saying, Lord, here it is. I don't know what you're going to do with it. But you've got a lot of work to do on me and being honest with him. Amen. Secondly, we press for the prize. We intentionally embrace faith by obeying and following him. I don't know what, what in the world he just told me, but I'm going to do it. 
I don't know why he wants me to say this or go there, but I'm going to do it. And that you're making your mind up because you stop putting energy into religious, political, and cultural opinion. Opinion. We're going to talk about being opinionated today and how that blocks us from experiencing what we really need in our life. Amen? And so pressing for the prize is what we do. We, we remain true to him. Then secondly, we press. We press. When I don't know what else to do, stand, therefore. Amen? I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but mm, I found out uh, Jesus might be the only answer. I'm not sure yet, but he might be, so I'm going to hang out right here and press. And then thirdly, Jesus will purify our faith. Well, that, that gives us the idea that potentially our faith isn't sound, potentially, that we've got some flaws in our faith, that we might have some ideas and opinions that are associated with what we call our faith in God that is uh, going to need God to get it out of there. Anybody agree we need God? So in Hebrews 6 and 1, it says it this way, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Move beyond and go forward to maturity. Philippians 3.13 reads this way, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God hath called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. I press for the prize. Amen. So what does it take to press for this prize? Remember this, that um, pushback on our pressing comes directly from the person in the mirror. Don't forget that. It's very important. The guy in the mirror gives me more problems than anybody. Amen. Now, there, there are other thoughts that come to me that want me to get off of that and focus on, well, I think they're the problem. Well, no, they're the problem. You know, as soon as they change, I'm going to have a better day. Anybody ever thought that morning? And so the pushback that I'm dealing with on a daily basis has to be doing, has to do with me keeping this old man, amen, my carnal nature, my fallen nature that was handed to me by, by, by Adam. All of us has got it. Keeping it in the grave. Amen. Keeping it mortified, keeping it closed off from having influence in my life because I've got a history, y'all. I've got some stuff in my past I don't like talking about, but the Lord's saying, I want you to be transparent, son, because everybody wants to know how I take you out of the ditch. How do I take you out of the hell you've endured and you've, you've been through? The lies that you've entertained, the religious mask that you wore, they all want to know, how did you get out of there? So you're going to have to show your scars. You get to do that. So I, somebody says, I don't have to do. No, you get to do. 
And it's amazing how that when we see someone that's willing to show their scars, how much our respect for them elevates. All of a sudden, we appreciate them for being transparent enough to help me realize where my help comes from. Amen. And it doesn't come from Google. It comes from Jesus, y'all. Amen. Y'all can Google that and see if that's true. Jesus is committed to our becoming like him in his death. Now, what I just told you sounds so Christianese. Like, what did you just say? No, he is committed. Paul made it clear. He's committed to us becoming just like him in his death. Well, if you, if you, if you don't ask the Lord for help, you'll miss the point there. The point is... How did he act while he was being treated wrongly? What attitude did he depict? What nature do you see from him taking on our debt, paying it off, and forgiving us? That likeness is what he's committed to us to become like. That we can face death and we can face pushback. We can face accusations. We can be picked on. We can be bullied. Whatever it is, and we're going to respond just like him. Amen. In other words, the guy in the mirror has got to be in the grave to go there. My spirit needs a resurrection. My dead spirit, apart from Jesus, remains dead. But when his spirit touches my spirit, all of a sudden life, hope, I know that I know that I know. And and I can't explain it, but I know it. You can't take it from me. I got it now because my creator, my architect, my heavenly father come in spirit and touched my spirit and gave me something I couldn't get from anywhere else. I couldn't get it in a college. I couldn't get it on Google. I could. I got it directly from him. And that experience that happens with you and him is what empowers you to follow him. Amen. It gives you what you need to press for the prize. Now, when we talk about pressing and straining and enduring something, that's not attractive. But once you let, or once you decide that you're going to go with Jesus on this journey, it's like you don't want to be nowhere else ever. It's like all of a sudden, because of his touch of your life, you're all in and you're thinking, bring it on. Remember, He wants to purify our faith. Everybody has faith. Everybody. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor. I know some people, man. I don't see an ounce of faith in them. Everybody has been given by God a measure of faith. Just the fact that our DNA comes from him validates everybody has faith and everybody is looking for something that they don't have. There's a level of hunger and thirst in every life. Amen. 
And it's so important that we begin to understand where the pushback is coming, amen, when we're going after something that's eternal, that's life-giving. Everything that Jesus ever said brings life, light. It's very light, and it's easy. And I know the religious spirits that we've all entertained, that we've all amen, agreed with in the past is fussing about what I just said. Because even in the scriptures, the ones that followed him fussed about it. These sayings are hard. Who can do these things? Did they not? It's right there in the Bible. And it was only hard because they needed their faith purified. Who can do these things? Thousands left him in one day because he made one statement, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And it sounded like he was saying, unless I become accountable, I, I, can't, I can't have life. And that was someone's interpretation of what he was saying that was totally wrong. Unless you partake of my life, unless you eat, the bread that came down from heaven. Amen. The words that I speak, they are life. They are the bread of life. Give us this day our daily bread. It's not talking about you putting food on your table. It's talking about you getting what you need from heaven so that when you open your mouth, you only say what you hear him say. That's what it's talking about. Because otherwise you'll be saying things you shouldn't be saying. Has anybody ever done that before? You didn't have the right bread. You had bad bread. It was bad breath too. Amen. Pressing. Pressing for the prize is what we're called to do. And so uh, <laughs> being like him is something that you and I can do because we're empowered to do. How does Jesus do this work in us? He does it through his spirit. He does it through the empowerment and through conversion. You know, when I was born again in 1974, been a few years ago, that conversion between me and Jesus, when he touched my spirit, impacted people around me. And it did that when Jesus came back 2,000 years ago in spirit and baptized 120 in spirit and in fire. There were thousands that were attracted to it and became convicted because of 120 being converted. What is going, this is that which was spoken by, by the prophet Joel in the last day saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Includes you. Peter's preaching. He's letting them know what you're seeing happening here. These thousands, what's going on here? It's going to happen to all flesh. And it brought conviction on the city, and 3,000 were added that same day. I want to challenge you here today. If your conversion didn't impact other people around you, you need to go back and look at your conversion with Jesus. And it got silent in the middle of our fellowship. The prophet did not lie because he spoke as God gave him words to speak. This is that which was spoken. This, what you see happening, is the same thing that's going to happen to all flesh. 
Is that the truth or not? Now, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of going to lean heavily on that being the truth. Very heavily on that. I'm going to hang out there because hadn't, any, hadn't found anybody that's been able to live up to the dynamics of being like Jesus apart from a conversion on that level. I've met a lot of professed believers. I believe in Jesus. You know, believing in Jesus is a little bit more than you just acknowledge it that Jesus exists. But lots of professed believers think that that's believing. I acknowledge he existed, so I'm in. It don't work that way. Paul made it clear to 12 disciples of John, have you received the Spirit since you believed? We haven't even heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. We, well, then what were you baptized into, John's baptism? Well, you need to be rebaptized. They had to go back down in the water. They, they, got to, they had the opportunity to go back down in the water again and be rebaptized in the name of Jesus for the remission. And when they come up out of the water, the same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2 happens to them. I'm spending some time here, Rowan. Our conversion is critical for our ability to press for the prize. If you're not empowered, you cannot press for the... Jesus tells the group that's following him, oh, we're going to go tell everybody, but no, you're not. You're going to hang out in Jerusalem until you be endowed with power from on high. Then you can go be my witnesses. Shaking the preacher's hand is not going to make you powerful. Is anybody catching this yet? When you get the hand of God on your life, it'll make you into his image, and you'll be just like your daddy. He'll be able to see himself. in. If he can't see himself in me, he's not my daddy. And the enemy's done his job well. He's masterful at it, and there's many, many precious people that daddy loves that are unhappy with broken relationships, spirit, soul, and body, they're a mess. And they're going to church and missing out on the miracle of being the church. It's real, y'all. And you know I'm telling you what Daddy's telling me right now because you know it's going on that way. And, and, and right now, Christianity is a turnoff in our world because Christ ain't in the heart. Pressing for the prize. What's the prize? Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, his identity, relationship. That's the prize. Amen. The, the point of him being joined with me is what he's after. He won't force himself on me. He will knock on my door and he'll let me feel his presence every day. He'll let me acknowledge the fact that, man, I need Jesus in my life, and, and I, I want to I'm, I'm, let's go to church and get Jesus. No, no. Jesus has already found you. We just got to let him in. You, you're not going to find him. He can find you, though, and he knows exactly how to find us in our pain and our trouble and the challenges of life on the things that push us back. The guy in the mirror, he finds me. 
and he helps me. Amen. So, <laughs> everything that Jesus ever said is light, it's easy, and it's life. Why wouldn't I believe that everything Jesus says is life, light, and easy? Could this be associated with, amen, opinions that I hold versus me being simple, elementary, childlike? Does anybody have any opinions in your life that keep you kind of frustrated with life in its, itself? Have, have you ever been opinionated with God? Have you ever shared your opinion of God? Did y'all know that Jesus wasn't opinionated? Did y'all know that? Go back and do your homework and find out where you can find a place where Jesus ever shared an opinion. Being opinionated is not in his nature. Did y'all know that? Oh, this is good today. <laughs> That's why debate and argument it's not of the kingdom. It causes strife and every evil work. Did y'all know that? Did y'all know that debate is rendered in the original Greek politics? My political opinion is not God's interest. He's not interested in anyone's political opinion, amen, their cultural opinion, their emotional opinions, their personal opinions. <laughs> He's not interested in anyone's opinion. He'll let us speak our opinions until we finally get wore out, beat up, and offended at everybody, and we don't know what to do. We almost go insane. He'll... He'll let us make our bed in hell and be right there with us saying, okay, when, if you'll let me, I'll, I'll pull you out of this mess and I'll set you free. And it's interesting when anybody is converted or they meet God, they meet him in the very moment where he's at, right there. Isn't that interesting? You know, it saddened Jesus because one of his disciples and I love this, this passage because opinions are real, y'all. One of his disciples had an opinion. And you, can, you notice it saddens him because in this passage, uh, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Has anybody ever thought, if, you know, that your life is show me and, I, and I'll be satisfied? We're satisfied by what we see. Has anybody ever lived like that? If I can see it, I'll believe it. And it's like it saddened Jesus. And get this, because of my opinion, I miss him in the moment. And Jesus said to Philip, have I been with you so long and you don't know me, Philip? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's like when Philip is, he's asking the question, show me. He, Jesus says immediately, 
You don't see me, Philip? I'm in the present or I'm not here at all. Are y'all tracking? That my miracle of freedom that I'm looking for is in the moment. And Philip is looking, trying to see something out in the future. Jesus, show us the Father. Show us when we're going to experience him as our Father on the level that, that my opinion and my, my perception is looking for. And the Lord says, I'm right here. Right in the moment. I'm present right here and now. Or I'm not here at all. And the enemy has access to us when we don't let him in, Jesus in. Has anybody give the devil access before? Ever been angry, frustrated, jealous, depressed, anxious, and the list goes on? Well, we're going to worship one of two masters, ladies and gentlemen. It's just the way it works. We serve one of two gods. And the one God that we don't want in our life is wanting to be in charge. And so we wonder why I have this desire to be in charge and control. Anybody ever want to be in charge? Where did that come from? Because that's not in Jesus' nature. Jesus' nature is he stepped off the throne, robed himself in flesh, and came to serve. And he owns it all. Our Father, God is a spirit. Our Heavenly Father robes himself in flesh and shows us how to be sons, how to look just like him, how to talk like him, how to walk like him. And not only does he show us an example for three and a half years in ministry, our Father in flesh shows us how to go through an ordeal that's totally unfair, dead wrong, and he manifests himself on a cross, taking our debt on himself. It's so important for you all to get because I want to share something with you. It's, we've, to love Jesus, we've got to make that decision that we're all in. We're all in. Whatever he says, I'm going to do it. And the moment I repent of that reality, I can be filled with empowerment so I can press for the prize. Because there ain't nobody going to press for the prize until they make a decision. I can't do this without God. Well, I don't know if he's real. I'm confused. Who hadn't been? But there is a conversion that when you let him in close enough, he'll give you all you need to know that you know that you know. Can't explain it. He don't want you to explain it. What he wants is your heart, unadulterated. He wants to start forming himself in us all, but we've got to let him in. Amen. And we'll sit on a pew in a building and put a religious mask on for years and get beat up and body slammed. The presence of God all around us. I mean, we feel it. We even cry. 
but we don't let him in. And we get so filled with Bible studies that we feel good about ourselves. And the enemy loves that. And we'll even go do many wonderful works in his name. Cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, and they recover. And when Jesus finally gets to have an audience with us, he said, you wouldn't let me be joined with you. Depart from me. You were so self-willed. Well, self-will is iniquity. It's the very same thing that Lucifer did when he said, I would be like the most high. And he, by reason of pride, self-will, Lucifer arose. And immediately God struck him down like lightning. Have you ever felt struck down before? Isn't it amazing when I'm trying to be in charge, my worst times have happened? Amen? I'm trying to be in control. I got some spooky stories that comes out of self-will. Amen. Now, I'm saying that to encourage you, this being childlike is impressive to our Heavenly Father. Being elementary is attractive to him because now he can show himself strong. He can reveal who we truly are. Amen. From his declaration, his passion, he wants to see himself in us. Abraham, this will help you. And we'll give you my story and we'll conclude. And y'all say, thank you, Jesus. Abraham was told by God. Now, keep in mind, God gives Abraham a promised son, Isaac. He's got that promised son now. He waited a long time for it. Anybody ever waited for something for a long time? Finally got it? But Abraham needs his faith. He's the father of faith, and he needs his faith purified. Because Abraham knows God, but he don't really know God yet on the level that God wants him to know him. And I, this is eternal. We'll keep knowing God for eternity. It's going to be a wow factor all the time. Isn't that awesome? A wow factor all the time. But you got to first become a child in order to step into that. The kingdom of God is children. Such is the kingdom. And so we're his kids. My daddy is awesome. Don't mess with my daddy. He's strong. He's powerful. I got the best daddy. That's what he wants us to get so focused on, that our daddy loves us so much that he covers us, he protects us, he provides for us, he loves us in ways we just, wow. And he wants that testimony bubbling out of us. But I had not found a lot of professed believers that's bubbly with that. I found some, and I'm not judge. I just know the tree by the fruit it bears. You do too. You do too. Amen. You hang around lots of people. They're in love. We're not, but we do understand fruit. There's good fruit and there's bad fruit. Don't take a genius. And so Abraham, here's God tell him now. Now, by the way, y'all, if y'all hadn't figured this out, if you haven't tuned in your ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, that's where most of the trouble's coming from. Just pause for effect. He or she that hath an ear, 
King James Version. Let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. If you're not hearing his voice, and he's talking to everybody, everybody Jesus is talking to, but very few tune in for station identification. They're hearing all the other voices, all the other static, all the other stuff going on around them, and they bear the fruit of it. Uh, I'm, I'm miserable. I'm frustrated. I'm full of anxiety. I'm depressed. Well, you've been listening to the wrong voice because that's what the other voice produces. And there's many of those voices. But there's one voice when you listen to it, it produces freedom, identity, peace, and joy. Ah, good fruit, right? Identity in him. So Abraham hears the voice of God, and God says to Abraham, Take your son and go to the mountain and offer him up as a burnt offering to me. Well, from my lens, carnally, that's the devil talking. Because God's nature, he doesn't commit murder. He doesn't do that kind of stuff. And so Abraham's battling it because he's thinking, God wants me to kill my son? But that ain't what God's asking. God's asking for him to give him to him. If God asks you to do something that sounds weird, remember, he'll provide. He'll provide. Whatever he's asking you, he'll provide. Your opinion doesn't matter. That's why whatever he asks, it's important that you're willing to go with him. That's called repentance. Repentance is not, I'm sorry. Everybody agree with that? Repentance is change the way you think and get ready. I don't get you, Lord, but I'm, I'm ready to get you. So here I am. I'm just a messed up clump of clay here. Fix me, Lord. He loves that. Because all that stuff you've been through, all that knowledge you gained, all that, all them voices that tormented you and all the anxiety and depression, all that stuff that happened, he can now use that. Got a bunch of scars there. You can help somebody now if you let me on board and in my house. And so Abraham, he goes and he takes his son not knowing, whoa, man. He don't tell anybody. He's, he, he's, he, he don't understand. He has an opinion that has him. He's doing a zip. I'm going to go over there, and, I'll, me, and the, me and the lad will be back. I can't explain how this is going to happen. But it's an ordeal. It's a challenge. Anybody going through some challenges, some ordeals? But he made his mind up. I'm all in. I'm pressing. And God meets him there. He goes through the whole ritual, all in, misunderstanding God. Did you know when Abraham left that mountain, he understood his father in relationship to sonship? Can you imagine how God gave his only son so that we would have life? 
And what you don't realize is the God that gave his son is the God that robed himself in that body. Our father reveals himself to you and I in sonship. And he gives his own life, his own blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, God gave his own blood, shed his own blood. There's only one God that's above all, through all, and in you all. Amen? One faith, one baptism. And the only way you can see him is through the Son, the only body that God ever had. And now Jesus, amen, <laughs> is the head of the body. And we are the members if we choose to let him in. We're catching this? The ordeals that we go through is to help us know him, have relationship with him, have fellowship with him. Whatever hell you're going through in your life, Philip, don't you see me? I'm present now, or I'm not present at all. Don't you see me? And some of us are going through some ordeals right now. And the enemy's like upset because now you're finding out that oh, daddy just wants to navigate you and show you who he is through this ordeal. This opportunity that looks like a storm, unfair. It's now he can reveal himself to us. I, I was, you heard me say, I was born again in 1974. Baptism, spirit, and fire. It happened. But I didn't realize what's coming after that. I needed that experience of spirit and fire. Just like Acts 2. Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. I needed that. Because it wasn't going to be long. Amen. I was going to go through some stuff. So I got all involved in school and, amen, playing sports, winning the band, you know, enjoy being a kid. But I noticed that everybody around me, they, they, they treated me like, you know, differently when they were with other people, you know. I had a few of them come in and say, ah, when you, when you come in the room, it's something about you that we, we stop our cussing, we stop all this stuff. And I hadn't said anything to them about you're going to go to hell if you cuss. And say nothing like that. It, it was not, that wasn't in my language, you know. And says, we, we recognize there's something about you that's different. Several of them came up and I said, okay, cool. I mean, okay. Can I hang out with you? <laughs> yeah, we like you being around. It's just that we decide to do different things when you're around. And I went pondering that, you know. But as part of the basketball team, I finally decided I'd play basketball because I was almost this height when I was 12 years old. So I thought, man, basketball got to be it. And I went from being a center in bitty basketball to being a forward in junior high to a guard in high school. And man, I enjoyed playing basketball with the guys. I just enjoyed it. Kept me out of trouble with the girls. 
And the coaches called in a few, few of the players to let them know you have a chance for a scholarship. They brought me in and said, we're going to work with you. We're not going to let you. I'm in the sophomore. My sophomore year, I was playing forward. So we got to move you to guard, and we got to work on your skills on the guard. You have an opportunity for a scholarship. So I hadn't even told my dad. So I'm excited about it. Oh, man, I have an opportunity for a scholarship. I'm just a sophomore. Hey, man, I'm excited. But I was worshiping basketball, apparently. <laughs> Enjoyed it. My dad comes there on Wednesday, and we're having practice. Oh, I was so excited. Dad's the only one sitting in the bleachers as we're practicing. He come and he sat for about an hour, and he watched. And when I got home that afternoon, I didn't realize I was going to go through an ordeal, y'all, so that God could show me his heart. My dad's sitting in his lazy boy recliner when I come in the living room, walking around. And he stopped me. He said, son. I said, yeah, dad. And I didn't understand what he was saying because it hurt when he said it. He said, I want you to quit playing basketball. That's all he said. And my, when dad said something, yes, sir. He didn't mean quit in the sense you can't play the rest of this year or whatever. He didn't, it wasn't in his heart. And it's staggering. I'm, I, got an opportunity. I didn't even say nothing about the opportunity I had for scholarship. He all, apparently, he saw that he's devoted to this. He's all in. He, he's single eye. Oh, you know, my heroes was John Hamlichek back then and JoJo White and that focused. Two weeks later, my dad's taken in a train accident. It's gone. I'm in my 10th grade class and uh, math class. And the intercom, they said, Dwayne Lowe, come to the principal's office. And his pastor, our pastor, was standing out there. I could tell on his face something wasn't right. And before I get there, I know something bad has happened because he just couldn't, he couldn't say nothing to me because him and my dad were very close. And you talk about an ordeal because now I don't have a dad. And I'm sitting out on my grandmother's um, chair there at her house and outside by myself, and I'm just weeping. And uh, she just come over and put her hand on me. She didn't say nothing. And it was like I could feel the Lord saying, I got you. Trust me. All she did was put her hand on me. And I was saying, I need something. I don't know what to do. It was an ordeal. I'm 15 years old. And she's obeying God. She don't say nothing. But I could just, ah, oh, trust me. I got you. Never told this story like this. That helped me press, y'all. I wasn't able to press. I was having a problem pressing for the prize. And when she did that, I was able to get what I needed. Man, you talk about turning my heart back to heaven from 12 to 15. Boy, and I didn't, I was... I enjoyed my fellowship with God, but now it's like he's calling me up higher. 
And I began to recognize, amen, the value of a father at that point. I came under the cover of a great pastor there in that town. My grandmother, I lived with her. But the ordeals began because God was trying to get me ready and my wife ready to come to San Antonio. And I had other opinions. I had other goals that were not bad from our lens. They weren't bad goals. I wasn't trying to find something I could do to be the center. It's just he was wanting to call me up higher to walk with him because he had a heartbeat about the harvest, about people. And there's lots of people that are hurting. And I began to recognize why my dad passed. And that was, God began to show me. He had prayed for me and my brothers and his kids to be devoted, dedicated to your purpose, God. Whatever it takes. You ever prayed like that before? Whatever it takes. Amen. And so I'm enjoying presence, renewal, and being empowered. But God had to keep purging my faith. I didn't have him figured out. You know God has been working with us where we are for quite some time. I'm talking about all of us. Where you've been, he's been there the whole time. Every time that things have been unfair, he was there all the time. I want to ask you a few questions here. What, what, are your, are your, what kind of questions are your opinions bringing up? What kind of questions about God, about people around you? Think about that for a minute. Is your opinion questioning God on the level of show us, Lord, and we'll be happy? Just show me, and I'll be okay. While God is trying to let you know, I'm right here right now, and in this very moment, you understanding I'm here right now is where your freedom is in the moment. God is not out here in front. Or behind you. He's in the moment. All this other stuff going on, he allows that for you to finally get a revelation that daddy's been with you the whole time in the moment. In the moment that you were beat up, in the moment, amen, that you were sick, in the moment that, amen, you were treated unfairly by your employer, in the moment that you were standing there with a divorce happening, he was right there the whole time, wanting to show himself strong. And all he's asking from us today is can you decide, number one, to get all in? To give him your heart right now. Whatever you say, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. The moment you decide that, then he can empower you with his spirit so that you can press with him as he navigates you through whatever it is you need to navigate through. Without him, you're not going to get through it without getting beat up, but with him. 
he'll navigate you through it. And while he's navigating you through whatever this storm is you're going through, your faith gets purified. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, ladies and gentlemen. You know what Paul wrote it? You started the race well. What did hinder you? And then he says, a little leaven leavens the whole. A little lie impacts the whole belief system. And the enemy is masterful at coming to steal, kill, and destroy our faith and put just enough leaven in it to manipulate us having peace and joy and freedom. Amen. Can we stand? Amen. How would you like to have been Abraham? Take your only son. Just take him up here and uh, offer him up as a burnt offering. That just don't sound like the kind of talk you want to hear. Well, the only reason is because I have an opinion of it. And I have an idea of what he's saying that's totally wrong. And God's been asking some of y'all. No, he's been asking everybody in this room to do something that you don't understand. And you've been holding and holding and getting beat up in the process of holding. And all he's asking from all of us is to go, the battle, go back to the last thing that I put in your spirit. The last thing I spoke to you, and trust me. And that's where you're going to find your freedom. And you're going to find out that's the moment he's in. Right there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Isn't it interesting that he's long-suffering? He can wait longer than I can wait. I'm after the blessing all the time. Everybody wants to be, I want the blessing. And therein reveals the lie that we owe. He wants us to be hungry for the blesser. Go after the blesser and you get all the blessings. And the enemy knows that. And he's got our world looking for the blessing. And in the process, rejecting the one who is the blesser. Amen. Anybody ready to press? Ah. <sighs> Relax. Nobody's under pressure. The presence you feel in this room is from heaven. How much of it do you want? Everybody has freedom to get all of Jesus you need today. To the guest, if you need to go, you're welcome to go. But in the next few moments, we're just going to open up our spirit and receive what God wants to give us. Amen. And you have liberty to get all you want. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the opportunity, amen, to live today, to take advantage of this very moment of time, to open up our hearts and to truly repent and change the way we think about you and your kingdom. You've given us your kingdom and you're just waiting on us to let you in to be the king of the kingdom you've given Lord, we open up our hearts right now and say, Lord Jesus, come. Ah, come and be the king of the kingdom within me and finish what you start in me. Empower me 
to press for the prize. Purify my faith until I let go of every vain thought, every imagination that exalts itself above you. Do it, Lord. The hearts are open. You're the miracle worker. Be filled with the Spirit, y'all. Receive it right now. You're the apple of his eye. He sees you, and he's after you more than you're after him. Go, go, run into his arms. He loves you in Jesus' name. God bless you. I'll pray for anyone. Amen. I'll agree with you. You can have your miracle today. God bless you guests for being here.